Hello, all you beautiful people. Welcome to an- another episode of Just Browsing. Matthew and Zach today, along with a special guest making his first appearance on the Just Browsing podcast. Mr. Sam Jones, welcome, welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome all right. to the show. And that's all his lines were for today, <laughs> so uh, it'll just be Zach and I talking about Oppenheimer today. But no, we're going to talk about Oppenheimer the movie, so spoiler alert, if you have not seen it. Yep, that's very important. Um, tune out and tune back in after you watch the movie. It is the a masterpiece. three-hour-long movie. Yes, but go see it in IMAX or Dolby Digital. Those are the only two ways to see it. Yeah. And then listen to this and give us your thoughts and opinions. But with that being said, since Zach didn't see it with Sam and I on my birthday, <laughs> Sam, what is your opinion on the Oppenheimer film? I thought that it was excellent, and, you know, I'm going to go off on a little tirade here. (laughs) I don't know what people were expecting, because I know, like, it's been overwhelmingly popular, and everybody, like, in general has been like, yeah, it was an excellent movie, but it pissed me off, because, like, the day before we we all went to see it, one of my friends, he shall not be named, but (laughs) posted on his Instagram story, and he was like... (laughs) like two out of 10 or some shit. And he was like, if you're looking for entertainment, this isn't it. And I'm like, if you weren't entertained by Oppenheimer, like your brain is just not functioning on a level that it should be. And (laughs) I needed to reevaluate my friendship with you. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't don't understand. Like Like, what what more are you looking for out of a movie? Like, I don't get it. It's it's not going to be a saving private Ryan. Right. It's telling the story of how we had, well, I say we, like, they invented this yeah. crazy shit Yeah, turned the tide well, of the Second World War. Like, it's insane. I, I think it, it can't be overstated enough how remarkable it is that it's doing as well as it is, like, box office-wise. I mean, critical reception alone, but, like, box office-wise, it is literally, if you think about it, a summer blockbuster that's a historical biopic about the guy who created the atomic bomb. Like... All conventional wisdom says that movie doesn't make a lot of money. Like only like old men and history buffs are going to be interested in that. That's you know what true. I mean? But yeah. it's like because it's Christopher Nolan, it's the guy who did Batman trilogy, Interstellar, all these you know fantastic. No CGI, movies. everything's real. Yeah, he's like he he invests all this time and effort into making everything practical. The score is fucking insane. Like it's made. I, I think it's and here's another crazy thing I heard recently. I think it's going to go down as like the highest grossing movie to never be number one at the box office because fucking Barbie has just been steamrolling everything all summer, which is really crazy. I read that too, and I have a question for you. So the whole Barbenheimer thing, like right, it (laughs) came out at the same time and you were basically, you were an Oppenheimer person or you were a Barbie person. Yeah, yeah. But my question is do you think that obviously it you know kind of dethroned oppenheimer barbie dethroned oppenheimer as you know number one in the box office and all that but do you think it did it also helped it in a way as far as how much it grossed because just like the chaos at the movies and everything like well everyone bought tickets to both yeah Yeah. i'm sure there's a bunch of wives that were like I want to go see Barbie. And there's a bunch of husbands that are like, I'll go to the movies with you and go see Oppenheimer. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Like it's like kind of like took the spotlight, but also helped it at the same time. That's my opinion. A hundred percent. Well, I think someone, someone phrased it this way recently, which made a lot of sense to me. It was like, it's, it's really cool that the whole phenomenon didn't become Barbie versus Oppenheimer. 
it was Barbenheimer. It was yeah. like, what are you going to do for your double feature? Are you seeing Barbie well, first or are you seeing Oppenheimer first? Like, the assumption was always from the beginning, like, we're seeing both, right? Like, everyone, yeah. regardless of what you're interested in, Have you're you just going to go see. No, I haven't seen it. Yet. I haven't seen it yet either, but I want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, like, I won't see it in theaters, but I'll probably watch it at some point. I'm just curious. Well, it, but, it just looks so strange this, to me. I'm just, I can't get a read on that movie at all. <laughs> yeah, so. that, but that's part of the allure. Like, yeah, I want to go yeah. see what the hell yeah, this exactly. is all about. Yeah. But you have Robert Downey Jr., who, in my opinion, without even seeing Barbie, should win Best Supporting Actor. And then you uh, have fantastic Gosling, who plays Ken, <laughs> who's also, everyone's like, both of those are going to go down as probably the, two, the top two for Best Supporting Actor. Which is a wild. And you go from a family-friendly, about a, you could argue the most iconic toy for girls from, what, the 80s or even earlier than that? Yeah. Still probably current to, hey, we killed, what, <laughs> one and a half million people with these two bombs we dropped. Yeah. And like the, the heaviest like, of subjects. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it's not, it's not an entertaining movie if you go from the standpoint of, like, I want action, I want... Right. But it's like a substance movie. If you want to learn and, like really kind of enjoy the story, then you go to Oppenheimer. Have you seen the memes recently? Because obviously the Barbie memes have just been everywhere. And same, same with Oppenheimer. But have you seen them like photoshopping Ryan Gosling's Ken into the conversation between Oppenheimer and yeah. uh, Einstein? <laughs> They're the lake. best friends <laughs> so ever. Great. And that these two guys are just dour, just dealing with the weight of the world. And there's just fucking Gosling and his bright-ass Ken outfit. It's so great. <laughs> the The... Internet, like if this, if Barbie and Oppenheimer came out, I don't know, whenever memes, before memes started, like, like 15 years ago, not dude, memes haven't even been around that long. I feel like uh, they whatever. were, they call just it, weren't like popular. Call I it guess. 10 years, 10, 10, yeah. 15 years ago. <clears throat> like every day I appreciate what memes have done for me. It's one of <laughs> like, the greatest forms of internet. It's fantastic comedy that has ever been invented. It's, it's fantastic. It's great. Um, I'm glad you brought up. Robert Downey Jr. because just talking about like the actual movie and like the experience of it because like that's kind of why I wanted to sit down and talk to you guys about it because I didn't get a chance to watch it with you guys I saw it in Florida um Downey Jr. like that was one of my big takeaways from the movie is I was like he's fantastic in this movie and he's that like was a star-studded cast and it got better as the movie went on and like yes um Rami Halek was in there and you're like yeah out of nowhere, he just shows up, and you're like, what Oscar the winner. Fuck? You're Oscar like, winner for best actor is in there for like five minutes. I completely yeah. forgot he was in the movie. Yeah, and he had he one of the that. most important, if not the most important, part of the story. Yeah, and you're like, well, how did you guys get him? And they're like, Yeah, well, it's, it's Nolan. It. Well, did you hear the story of uh, Matt Damon was saying he was going to take a break from acting? Because that, that's another thing that like that's all my entire Instagram feed since Oppenheimer came out is just like press junket interviews for Oppenheimer and all the whole cast doing interviews and stuff and. Matt Damon was saying he was going to take a, a break from acting, and he told his wife, the only exception to that is and Christopher if Nolan Christopher Nolan knocking. calls, and Christopher Nolan called him about Oppenheimer, he's like, sorry, I got to go do this fucking movie sorry, with Christopher babe, Nolan. Cancel like, that Italy yeah. vacation <laughs> yeah. we had. I don't know, yeah. they probably fucking have a house there or something. Yeah. They're not regular people. Yeah, but. I think Matt, do- Matt Damon's doing fine financially, but uh, <laughs> he was also great in the movie. But what I wanted to say about Downey Jr. was like, it's nice to see him finally in like a non Iron Man role, like Agreed. actually acting. Cause he's a fucking great actor. Like he's, I thought he was really good in that performance. Cause the whole time he's kind of like, they set it up as like, he's kind of like your narrator for the story. And he's given this background on when he met Oppenheimer and all this kind of stuff. And then it makes this pivot in like the last hour where you're like, Oh, he's the fucking bad guy here. And he just, all this, this he gives us like really subtle performance where he goes from being like kind of innocent 
to like, oh, he's super sinister and he's like got his hands in a bunch of shit and he's stirring the pot. You know what I mean? He's a politician. Yeah. And that guy who's uh, Alden Einrich, the guy who's like his aide or whatever. Yeah. He, it kind of dawns on him too and he's like oh you're a swarmy little fuck aren't you like you can just see it and you're kind of like oh shit this is kind of like a menacing performance from him it's- well yeah if you haven't seen the movie and you're still hanging around when you go watch it the black and white is from Robert Downey Jr. character's uh, point of view that's like his story and everything in color is from Oppenheimer's point of view and his story so when they switch they're all it's kind of like a way Christopher Nolan like separated the stories without you getting confused. It was like an easy way for you to follow along. I knew this going into the movie though. So I was like, yeah, okay, I could keep track of this, but I way- was, um, were you guys expecting something similar? Cause we've, you've, I know you've seen Dunkirk. You've seen Dunkirk, right? Yeah. Were you expecting something similar? remember at the very, very beginning of the movie, it like something pops up at the bottom of the screen and it says fusion. And then there's like another yeah. scene and it says fission. Yeah. I was like, I was thinking in my head, oh, it's going to be like a Dunkirk thing where it's like, remember he goes like one day, one week, and then like one hour or something like that. Yeah, right? it was like a week at on land. Uh, yeah. Uh, a, a day, day in the sea, air or something. Or an and an hour in the air. Yeah, something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. So that was I, I, I was thinking, oh, what a great movie. So I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, oh, we're going to get another one of these. He's going to be playing with time the whole time. Because Christopher Nolan is obsessed with time. Every single movie he makes right. has some sort of theme that deals with the Which concept Which is perfect because in movies you can't get rid of the reality that time exists yeah. no matter what it is. Yeah, but you can tell that's like clearly a concept that like he is obsessive about. So I thought that's what that was going to be. And then I kind of read later that it was more like kind of to what you were saying, like the color scenes are from Oppenheimer's perspective. So it's a little more subjective, whereas the black and white is supposed to be more objective of like, this is what actually happened. And then obviously he's using the whole like narrative, like point of view of like using Downey Jr.'s senatorial. I forget that guy's name. Whatever Strauss, Strauss was his last name, but I can't remember yeah. his first name. Using him as kind of like this narrator to explain all of the backstory of Oppenheimer and then bring you to kind of like, because all of those black and white scenes, are, I think, are happening like in the mid '50s or something like that. So it's like well after so, World War II, right? And stuff. So it, it happens after the the creation of the bomb. It happens when so after Oppenheimer creates the bomb, then he was offered to become like the the head of I can't remember what the the science name was, but he was like offered to be like the head of like the whole. Yeah. physics or whatever department in the country. And I am then, head of physics. <laughs> yeah. I am head of physics US. for the U.S. There yeah. you go. But he was offered and Downey Jr. handpicked him and then he said no and turned it down. That's right. Yeah. And then Strauss's character and um, uh, Einstein apparently never got along. So then it brings up the whole like why did Oppenheimer talk to him when Albert hasn't talked to me? And yeah. it came... It kind of like seemed like a little grudge match, like. Well, and Strauss was up for some sort of posting, right? Like he's going he, through he a confirmation going, hearing, right, to become like a presidential nominee for something with the sciences. Yeah. So, were you guys expecting the first time you saw it? I, I, I kind of had in my mind. I mean, I knew it was three hours long, but in my head, I'm kind of expecting the Trinity test is like the crescendo of the movie, like the the climax of the movie. I was not really expecting Trinity Test, and then there's another hour of this movie that's almost like a courtroom drama. Agreed. I was not, I was not prepared for that. Really. It's almost like two separate movies, but it's all part of. I mean, the 
the movie is about Oppenheimer. Right. And like that, right. everything that happened after is also. It's well, a huge part of his life. Sorry, my dog is. Uh, really <laughs> he wants to, he wants to chat Oppenheimer. Waylon. <laughs> well, do you have anything to add to the story? <laughs> hey, come here. He's fine. He's, He's fine. fine. I got a dog too. Luna does this all the time while we're recording. Long time just browsing listeners are yeah. used to hearing dogs in the background. This is a new dog. <laughs> but yeah, I was not really prepared for that, for like the last hour of it to be like, oh, this is like a, an intense like courtroom drama. And basically about, it was, it was essentially all kind of built around not only the confirmation hearing for Strauss, but also Oppenheimer trying to like get his security clearance back because they had basically taken it from him due to all his like communist ties and all this kind of stuff. And well, they set up ties. this kangaroo court that some Strauss kind of explains the whole time. Like you can't give Oppenheimer a platform. Don't let it be around the press. Nothing, you know, no press conferences, nothing. Do it in a back room somewhere. Leave him completely unprepared for it. Don't give his lawyer the, you know, the paperwork and the shit that we're going right. to go over until we're actually discussing it and all this well, kind of stuff. Well, they set that up too though because one, yeah, his communist ties, but two, he also had told the general or whatever, he goes, what's going to happen when we drop this? And he goes, well, one of two things, like you're going to wipe out an entire, like we could destroy the earth or it's not going to work. Yeah. And then they were you like, what I what's thought the chance? Was, uh, and he's like, it's like 99.09 or whatever. And he goes, so of atmospheric goes, ignition. Right. Can you imagine if you're taking side bets on the chances that atmospheric ignition happens and you just destroy the entire world? <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ, man. Speaking of that, that whole like kind of running, you know, thing throughout the movie of when they were like, are we going to end the planet? And like, yeah, they were all like pretty sure they weren't, but like, yeah, they're like not we're, positive yeah. that they weren't. Chances are near zero. And then, near. you know, again, spoiler alert, but also if you haven't seen it at this point, that's on you. Um, that's what I always say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That conversation at the end that, you know, what actually happened. No, it did happen at the end. But anyway, sorry. Christopher Nolan's messing with my head. <laughs> <laughs> when Oppenheimer is down there talking to Einstein next to that oh, little yeah. pond. Fantastic. He's like, you know, we were afraid that we were going to like you know, into the world. And he's like, well, I th think we did. Yeah. Like basically like we gave yeah. us like, we opened Pandora's box and mm -hmm. shit. Yeah. Taya. So me and Taya went inside and obviously like you guys know Taya, that's not her cup of tea. Like she, <laughs> if she had a, the choice, she would have been like, I'd not seeing Oppenheimer. <laughs> and, and she was basically, when we left, I was asking like what she thought of it. And she's like, I don't know. Like a lot of it was just over my head. Cause I just don't know a lot of the history and stuff. And I was like, granted, it's a very dense movie. Like yeah. you kind of need to come into that movie with a lot of like pre background knowledge of these events and these characters. And not to say that I'm like an expert, but like but I, you, I know you more knew than what she does. The concept of the Manhattan Project yeah, was. I, I was familiar with some of it. So, but she was saying, all that aside, she goes, "I think that's one of the best endings to a movie I've ever seen." That conversation that you were just describing, like, because they keep returning to that that conversation at the front of the pond between Oppenheimer and Einstein from different perspectives. Like the first time you see it's from Strauss's perspective. Right. Then you, you see it from Einstein. Yeah. Then you see it from Einstein. And then again, at the very end, you, you get it from Oppenheimer. And I love also the similarity between Oppenheimer's looking out on the pond and the raindrops are falling. And it looks like every raindrop is calling, causing this like, you know, tidal like wave of stuff. And he's he's cutting that, intercutting that with the like visions of the nukes going off all around the world, and Oppenheimer's going like, yeah, I remember when we came to you and we thought we would 
you know, cause atmospheric ignition and a chain reaction that would end the world? And Einstein's like, yeah. And he's like, I think we did. And that's why Einstein is walking up the hill like, Jesus Christ. You know, he's just <laughs> yeah. got the weight of the world on his head. As well, if that guy didn't already have crazier things but, to think But about, think of you know? the historical ramifications of it. Because oh, yeah. Oppenheimer was against using them because he was afraid that he, it would show the power of what they just un- like, mm-hmm. they unlocked. Which, I mean, since we, what, we dropped Hiroshima, the first one, and the Nagasaki was the second one. So after the second one was dropped, there's never been another nuclear bomb used in combat. Right. Yet. They've been tested. Yeah. Tested, yeah. Right. But what they, it was like 40 kilotons or, or was like the biggest one that they had. And now there's ones that are like yeah, that, 190 kilotons that, that are like blowing like islands a- up. Got shit that makes that look like a hand grenade now, and it's just which like, is why? Just which is even yeah. point. It's like, how dead do we need to be? <laughs> right. Like, because like, you got to think, if one gets launched now, I mean, there's probably going to be five thousand plus that are flying through the sky at the same time, yeah. just passing each other, like waving. Yeah, mutually assured destruction. Well, and that was Oppenheimer's and all of the scientists' greatest fear. Basically, was that like, well, in Oppenheimer, I, I think that's what makes the whole story of him so fascinating. Is like. Obviously, given the choice, he's not going to intentionally put something like that out in the world. But he's, he has that line where he's like, I don't know if we can be trusted with such a weapon, but I know the Nazis can't. Right. So we got to beat them to it or Which else is, we're fucked, basically. It's funny, too. So it's too. like it was just out of necessity. It had to be made by the U.S. Which is else, funny because you know, we were racing the Nazis to get a bomb. We got it first. They didn't. But then we used it on the Japanese. But the main people they didn't want to have it was the communists and we weren't fighting the communists just yet it, right. but it was like world war ii and the communists were just like yep. a nose hair behind them like hey we're here yep well, and but that's that, what they were worried about that then becomes the whole last hour of the movie and then the next you know 10 to 15 years post world war ii like, is cold war it's like you're all the politicians are thinking about the next war you know and immediately like, immediately like the immediately. world war ii is not even over yet and they're already thinking okay well who's going to get this next and who might use it so we went us? from fascists and now we're worried about communists yeah 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 well the crazy thing is like i don't know i've always been like into history but i'm obviously not a history buff or anything like i'm not an expert but it's always funny like when you talk to just like regular people that know a little bit about history it's like oh yeah u.s just like by ourselves single-handedly like won both like the world war ii and all this and it's like i don't think you understand how many russians died oh yeah yeah like a preposterous they took heavy losses and that's the only reason we were able to win on both fronts for sure like for sure they had the Germans in dark waters for a yeah. long time, yeah. and a lot of people were dying. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, now we're you know enemies again after you like. Uh-huh. And I don't know, say what you will, but like, give credit where credit is due. They took a huge yeah. hit in order for well, the tremendous Nazis, and, and know, like an again, unfathomable amount of losses. Yeah, people like, don't understand. And I don't like have the numbers because again, I'm not an expert. I just know it's astronomical it's and it's insane. crazy to yeah. think it's about that many ten, people. Tens dying. of millions. Yeah, if not insane. over a hundred million, I yeah. think died during World War II. It's insane. But if you think too, like I'm going to kind of shift gears. If you go to like Peaky Blinders and you use that as Zillian a... Murphy. Right. But there was a fascist in there on the uprise of fascism in Europe and Nazis, but there's also communism Mm -hmm. and already the fascists hate the commies. Uh So that gave 
um, Russia, the ideology of, well, we're communists and they're fascists and we got to get rid of them before they take out communism. So that's what they were fighting for. And the U.S. was kind of just like, yeah, we're neutral. And then Japan was like, no, we're not. Yeah. And that yeah. all happened. And what then we were like, what a fuck up that was. Dude, no kidding. <laughs> what a, what a they miscalculation learned, that was. Jesus. They learned after a couple bombs that they were like, yeah, no, we're good. We're good. Dude, somebody, Let's be friends. Somebody said one time, like, like if you think about like Japanese culture throughout history, it's just like the most badass, like admirable samurai honor, yeah. like just the <clears throat> coolest like culture in history ever. And then it's like, Oh, so we nuked the masculinity out of them because right. now they're into like this fucking weird cartoon shit and like Pokemon and all this. It's like, wow, two two atomic bombs can really do it to you, I guess. Well, and I think it's in this um, might not air. Sorry. <laughs> no, it will. I'm not cutting anything out. <laughs> That's a point. I didn't. I didn't say it. I heard it from somebody yeah, at no, some point, uh, yeah. and and then I never looked at it that way. And I'm like, "That's actually true." Like, how the but, hell did that right, happen? Right? They, all the they anime went from never Pokemon surrendering. Stuff all comes out of that. Area right. They the went world, from yeah. like honor. Like you never surrender. You die with your own sword before you mm-hmm. become a prisoner. To yeah, it's kind of like a well, and that's an important die. Uh, <laughs> well, it's an it's an important heavy culture. <laughs> yeah, it's an important historical and militarial thing to bring up because. The whole reason those bombs were used was because the assumption was they were never going to surrender. It was going to cause an astronomical amount of additional casualties on both sides to get them to finally... We were, we were going to have to kill them to the man. Right. Maybe even to the well, woman and child before they stopped. And you, so it was like, it's either this or we drop a big-ass fucking bomb. Which on the one hand, used, it's you like... Know? You gotta tip your cap, like oh yeah, what commitment, yeah. dude? Well, like, at a certain the ultimate, point, the ultimate buy-in and the ultimate commitment. Like, there's no way, just like in the, just like I was saying, their history and tradition and culture and all that was like literally death before dishonor. Like, if you get up and run, like you're gonna get well shot in the back yeah. by your own guys. Death is preferable. Well, and then well, I, I think you speaking of like just real quick on the Japanese stuff. I think you probably listened to that Dan Carlin series about. The, the Eastern Front and the, the the China and Japan like conflict leading up to World War Two and Japan it was really insane to think about like how much like they damn near just like took over China which is a gigantic and Korea yeah and Korea like, like they almost just the whole, conquered Asia right this little tiny fucking island which is like Crazy. insane when you think about it so it's like they were a fucking force to be reckoned well, with dude and even before that the the Mongol Empire yeah. took over everything. Yeah. Couldn't ever quite get Japan. Yeah, it's insane. And, you know, Speaking of, of the Mongols, there's still like 65 million descendants of Genghis Khan Genghis still Khan. alive. Dude, I Prop- read that book about Genghis Khan. Oh, yeah. He's, it was, he's, he's your Genghis Khan expert here. I think you got that here. for me. I think I did, yeah. That's yeah. the one where you... Uh, we put the progressive <laughs> commercial quotes. <laughs> all the quotes about turning into your parents. Yeah. I'd be like deep into reading about Genghis Khan shit, and I'd flip the page, and it would be like a... You know, we need to think about, you know, where we need a park for this game or something. I just like, God dang it, Zach. <laughs> it was great. It was a gag gift and an educational gift. It was perfect. Yeah. It was, it was well, perfect. Speaking of, like, the Japanese way to, like, never surrender, though, I, I think we shared it in our Instagram messages, but there was a Japanese guy on an island oh, yeah. who didn't yeah. abandon his post till like, I think it was either the late 80s or early 90s. And the only way that they got him to abandon, the people, he thought he was being trapped because people were like, dude, the war's been over for like 40 years. <laughs> they were giving him newspapers that he was yeah. like, this is yeah. propaganda. He's like, this is and bullshit. Yeah. The only way news. they got him to stand down was they had to go to Japan, find his commander who was like, 
they were like he was like 94 years old or whatever at the time put him in uniform get him to the island and tell the soldier to stand down yeah and that's then he how, returned home that's how dan carlin introduced that entire series was the story of that guy but it's like fucking crazy man. you gotta tip your cap man like <laughs> nobody nobody believes in anything that heavily yeah. to like be yeah. that committed to something it's unfathomable well because the conventional wisdom is you kill enough of an enemy country's military and beat them back so badly, there is a breaking point at some point where they just surrender. With Japan, that was not the case. It yeah. was like, it's just not going to happen. Well, because we had to go island to island to yeah. island. Yeah. To and just we're going to just lose them. hundreds of thousands, if not millions more soldiers. And it's either that or we get these smart-ass scientists to build the biggest bomb that's ever you know, been used in the history but of see, humankind. The bombs weren't even made to end the war. They were just made because Germany was making them. So we got to yeah, get this yeah. shit done first so that we can use it before they do. What a terrifying alternative history to consider of Nazi Germany getting a nuclear warhead before the United <laughs> Goodbye, States. Goodbye, London. Jesus. Could you imagine? Um, what no. was that show about? <laughs> Sorry. But it's about this. I think I know what you're talking about. It was, it, I think it's on Amazon. But it's it's like, actually, I think I read the book. It's a Philip K. Dick book, The Man in the High Castle. Is that yes, what you're thinking yeah, of? It's like an alternate timeline yeah. where like, the Nazis didn't. And like somehow the U.S. is split like at the Rocky Mountains where like Japan one half is, is like, Japan and one yeah. half is... That shit was pretty When cool. the Axis yeah. win. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because that is what that book is about. The book's actually not that good, but I've heard the Amazon show is actually pretty awesome. I watched a couple episodes. It's, it's been years now. I don't know why... I'd, I definitely didn't finish it, but maybe I'll have to revisit. It's a that cool concept of like, yeah, what would happen? I mean, it's not a cool concept. <laughs> well, for a show, you know, like a fictional <laughs> yeah, show. The, the fictional it side depends is, on who is you cool. Are, but right. It's yeah. not a cool concept. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Could you imagine how, like, I mean, but think of empires over time. Like Germany was trying to build an empire. Like they could have just stopped and be like, okay, we own all of Western Europe. But we're good. We're not going to go after Great Britain anymore. We're going to just try and sign a peace treaty with them. Russia, we're fine. Like, but they own Poland, France, Italy, like everything besides Switzerland. Switzerland's like, hey, we're good. And they're like, yeah, we. How we'll do just- they keep getting away with that? How does Switzerland just be like, don't fuck with us. We don't care. And they're just like, okay, you can just. I don't be know. There. Pretty mountains and pretty people. They're just like, oh, or that's about us. <laughs> or it's all this. That might have been a little too German. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, what, what was or that? it's all the Swiss banks that have everybody's that's money in it, it. Yeah. from the global elites everywhere yeah, out there. That's probably it. Don't Zach, get, I can't believe you'd say that, man. Don't get me started. They're just skiing down slopes with fucking skis made of gold and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> gold hats. <laughs> oh, man. Fucking Oppenheimer, dude. Excellent movie. That's, Excellent movie. Did I tell you guys I just got the book? I think I sent you the picture the other day. The book that it's based off of, American Prometheus. Yeah, didn't you say you were going to try and read it before it. we did this podcast? That was a joke. I was like, we had six days. It, was, we it wasn't record. a joke. I was like, I'm not going to read 600 pages about Oppenheimer in six days. <laughs> we knew you would sit down and try and do it. Can you imagine if I just sit here and I'm like, so I'm a fucking expert in Oppenheimer now, by the way. I've read this entire book. We're like, by the way, that was a fictional book. Damn it. I'm going to need uh, Elon to get going on this Neuralink before I can download 600 pages in yeah. however many days. In six days. Yeah. Dude, we didn't, we didn't really talk about Cillian Murphy, though. You brought up Peaky Blinders. I'm fucking... I was pretty hyped to see that he was going to be the star of this movie. Dude, like I said, probably the most star-studded cast for a yeah. biopic that and he's um watch. He's been in Christopher Nolan movies for a long time. He was in Inception. He's he was Scarecrow. He was Scarecrow and, in all three of the Dark Knight oh, movies. Right. Um, what else was he in? He was in um, Dunkirk, briefly. He's that soldier they pick up out of the water, and he's like freezing, and he doesn't want to go back. 
He's been in Christopher Nolan movies for a long time, and finally he's like the star because he's never been the star. He's always been like a side character. You don't have to be a star in a Christopher Nolan movie that I have an important role. Yeah, I'd be a fucking you know a guy handing out coffee to someone in one scene in a Christopher Nolan movie just to be on set with Christopher Nolan. Just so fucking cool. Here you go. Here's your here's your tea, sir. And when you walk away, they're like, "What'd you guys think of?" Uh, so one thing also that Taya was saying about it that I kind of agree with, it's very, very jarring, especially if you see in IMAX in the theaters. The, and it's, it's like from the very beginning, it doesn't even like, especially leading up to the Trinity test, but it's throughout the entire movie. And this is, this is familiar in any Christopher Nolan movie, but the score is like incredibly fucking loud. And then it's like interspersed with these like jarring, like two second cuts to like the, I don't know what he's trying to visualize, like the atoms exploding within like an atomic bomb yeah, or something. Yeah. And he's kind of like done these cool up close, like real life representations that aren't, aren't using CGI. And he's like, I don't know what all the tricks he used to like, they took the marbles and shit and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's like Oppenheimer fucking like, you know, basically like imagining, cause he's basically studying like quantum physics, quantum mechanics and stuff. And that was kind of why Einstein's involved is cause it was a lot of the theories that, he like published and, an and, and laid what down trying to do is like, what was the... Oppenheimer and all these other scientists were then using to push that theory forward. And so he's like, it's this incredibly loud, like rousing score with like these two second cuts away for like these crazy fucking up close, like the worst mini one explosions the, and stuff that are happening is the, really jarring. The gym scene after they dropped the bombs, oh that God. was the worst one, dude. I almost got sick because it was so loud. I like could hear my brain just like vibrating. Yeah. And then it had like the weird flashing and I'm like, yeah. Oh my God. Like I'm going to just throw up. God, like I'm getting sick watching this and then it go dead quiet. You're like, Oh, and then all of a sudden it's just like, and you're yeah. like, oh. what what do you guys think of the use of sound during the actual Trinity test? Cause he keeps, he keeps slowly but surely ratcheting up the tension when they're doing the countdown to when they're going to actually do the test. And there's a storm that blows in. So they kind of delay it. And then they're actually like, you know, he's like putting on the fucking goggles and looking out the window and then it actually goes off. And then the sound just completely cuts out for like, it was perfect for well, like 25 seconds. But you got to think you're, you're expecting the whole time, like this loud fucking, you know, the theater's just going to shake, but you got to think too, you're like they were miles away. So I've watched avalanche, uh, mitigation up in the mountains before, and you can see the explosion across the, the mountain Valley. And like, I didn't hear a bang. And all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> Yeah. And you're like, yeah. whoa. But it's so delayed because the sound waves have to travel. So yeah. I think he, I don't know if it was too long or like, I don't know the calculations of all that, but it definitely built it up to then all of a sudden just. Well, and the whole time, I don't know if you guys felt this way, but the whole time I'm like, well, maybe he's, maybe that's like the subversion is he's not going to do the sound. Like you're thinking you're going to get the sound of the nuke, but he's not going to do it. And like 20 seconds goes by, 25 seconds. And you're like, maybe he's not going to do it. And then all of a sudden it just comes in loud as fuck. You're like, oh, you know, rattles your chair. And, <laughs> and they're fucking, uh, how did he do that without CGI? So. I've been meaning to like kind of do like a YouTube rabbit hole deep dive of it, but some of the stuff that I've seen and read, I think what they did is they built mini sets and basically like the cameras up super fucking close on a lot of these things. Like a lot of those things that I was talking about like earlier in the movie, those quick two second right, like, jetaways. Like this battery could have been the size of the explosion. And they did like this cool, they had almost like a balloon for the actual red fireball explosion. They had like this red balloon and like these cool light tricks that they did and like it was sitting on like a sand bed and then they vibrated sound through the sand. So the sand was like 
it made it look like the the ground around it was like rippling oh, and stuff. Gotcha. Pretty cool. Like he's just a fucking. That's just, no see, one else does you, it that way. You don't you know want to know I mean? that like, stuff though. Like I hate seeing how movies are made. Yeah, you've told me that because it takes like, like takes the magic away from it. Takes the magic away. I mean, with an explosion like that, you're like, well, of course we're not going to drop a forty kiloton well, I was gonna say, bomb. Matt, in the what do you think again. they did? Go out to the desert and drop a nuke to film it? I mean, knowing Christopher Nolan, right, he, he, he could have. Right, I mean, exactly. knowing Christopher Nolan, he would have. But it, but that's what I'm saying though. Like this was more of like a, it was a biopic. Like the special effects happen what once, like it, it wasn't necessary for them to create it in real life but it's like it kind of ruins other movies not this one but other movies when you figure out how it's made like i'd rather just enjoy the movie because i want to escape reality for two and a half hours then they're like oh well here's the behind the scenes of the green screen you're like oh i don't care to see this shit i am with you on that i'm 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 with you on like you know what ruined it for me was uh, watching like the behind the scenes Game of Thrones shit, and it was like oh, yeah. they're riding the dragon, and it's just like this like <laughs> big green like log, yeah, that they're like holding on to, and it's moving around, and there's like all these like thick like gymnast mats underneath them, and all this stuff. And I'm like, I wish I never saw that. <laughs> right because yeah. it but, ruins like, the movie. But if you're but that's green screen stuff. I want to know like how they make that. Like I'm totally oh yeah. If like, it's I don't like, want to see the green screen shit. Right, I the actual see explosion. The, how he did all these crazy camera tricks to yeah. make you think you just watched a nuclear explosion yeah. and he didn't set off a bomb. Yeah. Like, that's, that's well, cool. Right. I, that, I, that's cool. But like yeah. the whole, like, I just don't, I just don't care to see how things are made in general with movies. I'm just more interested in, especially from Christopher Nolan's like technique and his craft of just seeing like, how does a guy like that pull that off without using CGI? Cause he's, He's one of the directors in Hollywood who's known for doing shit like that on a gigantic scale for big blockbusters that cost $200 million I feel like, to make. I feel like, Im- like mimicking a nuclear explosion is probably a little bit easier than some of the other things he's done, though, because it's just... I mean, probably easier think, than some of the interstellar stuff. Right, because if you think about it, it's like... I don't it's know just how a, the fuck It's an explosion that. that goes off. So if you, you could slow-mo a firecracker and see what kind of chemical yeah. reactions you get from there and then be like, okay, we need to work around this. Like, we have fireworks... I'm sure someone could build a, you know, a firework that would just mimic a yeah. nuclear explosion on well, a small I, scale. Like I said, I ha- I'm not positive about this, but that's kind of the stuff that I saw. And I don't know if you've seen like behind the scenes of how they shot some of the space battle scenes in like the original Star Wars, which came out in the late '70s. Where they had things on where sticks. they have these like miniature sets and like the sticks of the like the the space shuttle like coming through and like these little explosions that would come up and stuff like. They have ways of doing it that make it look scale-wise the way they want it to look. Obviously, that's with 1978 technology, and now we're in 2023, so there's a lot of cooler stuff available. But there's actually a video I saw real recently of another like small-time filmmaker who tried recreating some of the shots that Nolan used for Oppenheimer, and it shows him using all those cool little tricks. And he sets up these little mini sets and like does these cool lighting things with the camera, and then slow-mo does stuff like one of them at like he literally had like a electronic or electric drill and had some sort of thing like attached to the end and when he when he like put the drill on it like spun this thing around super fast and the camera is catching the tail end of it spinning in front of the camera with this cool light behind it and then he slow-moed it and that's what he's doing in Oppenheimer to make it look like the atoms are spinning around really yeah, fast yeah. and colliding into each other so it's like that's cool there's really clever ways that he was able to do all of that but 
I, I'm like you. I was kind of wondering before seeing that because all the headlines before Oppenheimer came out were like, Christopher Nolan didn't use any CGI. It's all practical effects. And everyone's like, I don't get it. Did he just drop an actual nuke? Like, what the fuck are we talking about here? Like, yeah. explain more what like, you mean by not using. What like, exactly was the budget for this <laughs> yeah, film? Exactly. So, like, the Los Alamos test site is real yeah. and it was reused. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So, basically, it's the same thing when I catch a tiny fish and then I hold it way up close to the camera and I yeah. sit yeah. behind it so it makes it look like it's, yeah. like, three feet long. Yeah, on a grander scale. Yeah, yeah. same thing. I, I am <laughs> on also a multi-million dollar. <laughs> Sam's also working on the same level of craft as Chris. I have misled everyone into thinking that I catch big fish. <laughs> like, damn, look at this four-pound bass. And you're like, yeah, it was about seven ounces. Yeah, exactly. I guarantee this movie's going to win a lot of those, what they call, like, the below-the-line Oscars, like... Sound effects, editing, score, special effects, all that kind of... It's probably going to win It should win Best shit. Supporting Actor, too. I mean, like I, I said, I feel like uh, to win an award, but then again, it's all voting, and I won't get into the Hollywood bullshit, but um, come on, Ken's not an iconic role. Like... But granted, I mean, I haven't seen Barbie, but granted, Ryan Gosling's a fucking Yeah, but why actor. does Barbie never get pregnant? Because Ken came in a different box. Like, <laughs> that's a good one. So, like, hey, come on, how good of a supporting... How long did you have that one dialed up? Dude, I saw it on some, like, Australian just check your notes show. on your phone? <laughs> I'm like, you got going over there? I got this ready. Matt's got notes for the podcast. With just, it's just all fucking Barbie jokes. jokes. It's actually been bothering me since we started this. I'm going to look it up, like, what year, actually, Barbies came out. They've been around a long but, time, yeah. I think. Because I think mom was literally just talking about last night she had Barbies when she was a kid. Well, because it was so Barbies and then G.I. Joe. That'd be like early 70s boys. or mid-70s. It's, it's been around, I'm guessing like the 50s or something. Barbie through the ages. Barbie's official birthday. All right. What's your guess, Matt? I'm going to go like 38. Damn. Jesus. <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going 52. 1959. Okay. That was pretty close. 32, Jesus. Oh, you got to just throw some random number out there because you never know. No, some certain of that shit, shit surprises you. Though, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. You yeah. know what's really surprising is some of the Disney animated movies, the, the release dates. Like Snow White is literally like from 1938. Swear to God. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> crazy. Peter Pan is from like the 50s. Those movies are old. Go dude. watch uh, Wizard of Oz. That shit's from like the 1825s. <laughs> like, Wasn't that the first movie that ever used color? Was Wizard I think of so. Oz? I think it was. That's an old movie. Old, like... Holy shit. 1920s or the, 30s, I think. The Disney animated movies are weird because I, you know, we watched them in like the late 90s when we were kids and they always looked like they were made in the 90s to me. Like yeah. all of them. Because everything was the same it, almost. Like, it's weird when you watch one that like came out in 1938 and then one that came out in 1995, the animation almost looks the exact same. You're like, you can't really tell much could, of a difference. It could also now. be like, I mean, for like Star Wars, I've never seen the ones from the 70s. I've only seen the remastered ones that came out in the 90s. Oh, I see. So I know like no the difference. Original the version, original yeah. version, I've never seen that was released in the 70s. I've only yeah. watched the... Where they've gone uh, back. Where they've like gone back and remastered and added and some to things it, yeah. to it. That's yeah. all I've ever seen because, you know, so they could have been completely different as far as visual goes from like the 40, the 30s, 40s, and 50s. But then all of a sudden in the 90s, like we're pushing a VHS out. We're going to just up graded a little bit yeah i was actually thinking about this the other day like you you remember when like tv like watching a baseball game or a football game or whatever used to not be in hd mm -hmm. yeah that was like but 15 it, years but ago. but it was like 
you didn't know the difference. So you're like, this is a good quality. Yeah, like, it looked fine. Picture. It looked like, good. Yeah. And then all of a sudden HD came out and you're like, this holy shit. shit, this is <laughs> like, that looked horrible. I can't believe we used to think that was like yeah. amazing. And then obviously like 4K and like obviously like all the TVs nowadays, like you can buy some like super clear top of the line yeah. shit. But I'm always wondering like at what point, like they have those 4K cameras now and they, you know, sometimes like the UFC does it and like sometimes they have a camera in the end zone like after guys score, they get up like real close and then they kind of like blur the background oh, a little yeah, bit. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. And yeah. it almost looks, it's like, it's obviously real life, but it almost looks like too like real a to be video true. game. Yeah. I know exactly like, what you're talking like, about. Like, I yep. don't like it. Like, we're, <laughs> I, I don't know. I was just thinking about, like, what's going to be that next leap? Like, how, right now, it looks exactly like it does in real life. Uh-huh. So, like, are they going to keep pushing to, like, try to make it cooler? So, like, more the, clear? Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, that looks like well, I'm on the field the same, looking at it. The same I, thing you were just describing, I had the first experience I had of watching a Blu ray on, like, an ultra high def, like, high, high definition TV. I had the same, it like was really off-putting to me. I'm like, it's so uber clear. It almost looks fake. Yeah. It was really weird for me to like get used because I was always used to just watching regular DVDs on like a regular TV. And it looked clear and fine. And it looked fine. It always looked good. And then like the Blu-ray on like a fucking super nice HD TV, I was like, this looks weird. It's like hard to describe it, but it's like so uber clear that you're like, it almost looks like kind of video gaming. Like Avatar on Blu-ray is definitely one that does that. You watch it regularly and you're like, wow, this is great. And then you're like, well, but I also read an article that says we can't see in the 5D, 5HD or whatever you want to call it yet. That's why we haven't gotten there. What do you mean we can't see in it yet? Like, like human eyes cannot adjust to being able to see like the five HD or whatever you want to like four four D is like the well how do they even know what it looks like then like how much I don't know but like that's my question like yeah. you can't get better than I am seeing this with my own eyes it's a foot in front of my face right now you're gonna put it on the nicest camera the world's ever seen it can't look better than it looks <laughs> right but they're gonna try right and improve to it to look better than that. But I don't know how but they're how going are you to be gonna able make to make it look that? better because this is what it looks like. <laughs> like, do you get what I'm trying to say? I don't know why. Maybe no. no, no I, 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 I get what you, I get what you're trying to say. But what I'm saying is they're trying to improve that. Otherwise, the TV, movie, sporting, like anything you view on a screen has reached its limits. Like well, that's what I'm saying. I think it has. Well, you know what? To answer your question, you know what I think it's probably going to be in the future is to Matt's point of like we have gotten to a point where we've reached the limits of like what the human eye can physically see in terms of pixel clarity and right. all that shit or whatever they talk about. It's good. There's going to become a point where you almost have to always have some sort of a 3d glasses like thing you put over your eyes to allow you to see whatever the next evolution of like the clarity is. Maybe. I'm not doing it. The next evolution is going to be, that's probably what it's going to be. I'm it's, not fucking doing it. It's going to be a virtual reality. It would be what it's going to be that. where yeah. you're putting your glasses on and your headset on and you're sitting on your couch watching a football game. And you're like, I'm going to be the quarterback and you're literally yeah. in the quarterback's eyes. Or it'll give you a sideline view where you're just like, it seems right, you're like the head you're standing coach. next to Andy Reid or something, you know, that's probably what it's Shit, you'll be. be like 40 yards away from him. I understand the like cool applications of VR headsets and stuff, even with the technology like around today, like, Oh, you know, you could be the quarterback, you could be whatever for fans and stuff. And like, obviously you could work that into Madden and it'd be mm-hmm. really cool in future type video games and stuff. But like, there's just something in me, and I'm probably just wired weird, but, like, I don't ever want to be, like, just in my house 
completely like plugged in unaware <laughs> of, yeah you yeah. know what i literally feel like yeah. it's like okay like ready plug, player one plug yeah. me in i'm getting out of the real world for a right. while and going in like there's just something about that i'm like i'm entertained enough with yeah freaking just like we got it we got enough like, yeah god like i understand that humans just continue to push the envelope on everything uh-huh. and that's obviously the reason why we live in unprecedented comfort and yeah <laughs> all that yeah. but like at the same time it's like how much more fucking entertained do we need to be it's almost True. like we should probably scale back a little bit and then start solving well, some problems rather than the, uh, the thing we, we focus on the entertainment of like our lives more than we focus on things that are like necessary. Well, the same thing could be said for pre atomic bomb being created. Like I'm sure a lot of people you talked to back then were like, I think we got big enough guns and bombs and then fucking atomic bomb comes around. You got to just always keep pushing the envelope. There's always something bigger and better and faster and, then, uh, and nicer. 70 yeah. years arms race has been ongoing ever since. Yeah. I was watching a video actually about a rail gun that they're putting on ships now. Oh, that sounds exciting. They're like, yeah, it uses 20 megawatts of energy every time it's fired. And I'm like, well, how the fuck are they crazy. paying for that? Because my electric bill last month was fucking <laughs> out of pocket because I'm trying to keep my house at 72 degrees. It's because... But they can have a rail gun on a fucking <laughs> nuclear-powered warship just constantly cruising the oceans of the world. It's because like, they're using nuclear power. That's the thing. Right now, we're trying to move yeah. everything. I, we're trying to move everything away from what's working to save the planet because climate change. Hey, I'm an oil and gas man now, so I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you, <laughs> Bro, four twenty a gallon. Suck my dick, man. Four years ago, it was a buck eighty a gallon. Trump twenty twenty four. I'll say it right now. Oh Jesus! Right, Here so we go. We got to rein it back in. Yeah, let's rein it back um, in. <laughs> Matt, on that note, I'll just say I get twelve miles a gallon too. Yeah, buy a different fucking car if you're gonna bitch about gas prices. Because That's why I work from home and I don't. I drive, drive my twelve mile gallon car all around, and every time I gas up and it's over 100 bucks, I'm just like, I'm an idiot. I all right, but what about car. all the interest rates on all on. the loans right now? They're like fucking 12%. We'll sell your car that gets 14 miles a gallon and get a Toyota Corolla, like Zach was saying. That's what I, yeah, but you, I'm offering, when you can't I'm buy new solutions. cars anymore because the chips are fucking... That's what I. Heavy that's what I admire. Taiwan. That's what I admire about Sam was because we had a similar conversation, and I was like, "Dude, you could just get like a fucking Ford Fusion." And Sam was like, "I'm not looking for solutions. I, I'm, a, I'm aware, perfectly aware of how I can get myself out of this but, situation. <laughs> I'm just not going to do but it." But what would you do if Sam backed up his Ford Fusion? Oh, speaking of that, the whole backup thing on our Instagram group message, how Zach's like, I don't get why people back their trucks I, up. I, oh, I sent that, that Barstool Sports Literally, yeah. the next day at softball, I walk by Taya's car because they were there, and she was what you would have assumed was pulled through, and I go, oh, did someone back this in? And Zach goes, yeah, Taya backed in. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I was, a, I wasn't driving, and B, it was pulled through. It wasn't back. She in. said she backed it in. It was a pull through. I was there. <laughs> she said she backed it in. She's lying. She's not. She's not capable. <laughs> no, she does back in her car in the parking garage every day. That's, I, that's I wonder a separate, why. I wonder why. That's a separate though. conversation. I honestly really don't care that much about it. I just like making fun of it truck depends. drivers. It's completely. In. You have. You definitely have a point. Truck drivers love backing in. Yeah. And so do I. I'm one of them. Yeah. I, know. I do. I do the know. same it thing. Depends on the scenario. A lot of times, the parking lots are like so tight in between the rows that it's easier for me to pull past the spot and then back into it than it is to like swing super wide to pull in forward. And it's yeah. also easy when you leave to just hop in and pull out. It's yeah. also easy if you have a backup camera because you know how close you are to the car. If you're backing up to a car or even like a wall, you know how close you are pulling in the front. I can't see the front of my car. 
I mean, after what, seven years of owning it, I know how far I can go. Like I can gauge that, but some people can't. And then well, they my, hit everything. I, I finally realized that my own argument could go both ways. Because the way I look at it is like either way, when you're you arriving somewhere or you're leaving, you're going to have to reverse one of the times. Right. It's just a matter of which one you want to pick. So I guess in all fairness, it doesn't matter. It, the argument could go both ways. It's six of one, half does another. Either I reverse in or I reverse out. I just always figured like... I don't understand why it has to be. It's like this unwritten rule of like, oh, you drive now, a truck, you have to reverse into your spot. For it's sure. Just, I'm like, okay. Now <laughs> for I'll, sure have a point. Now <laughs> yeah, I'll say though, it's a you, thing. If sure. you go to like a King Supers where it's supposed to be one way traffic and you see someone trying back in in a one way zone, it makes no sense. They make no sense and that's a fucking dumbass. Because <laughs> you, when you back in, then you're backing in at an angle and when you pull out, you got to like pull out at an angle and yeah. get a big swooping yeah. turn. But it like, it's easy to park going that way. Yeah, those parking lots I never back in because right. you don't have to make the full right angle turn. Right. Yeah, but in like and a, out. a normal parking lot, it it like if you go to um, the mall, Park Meadows, it's so much easier to just back into one of those spots because it's smaller spots in certain areas, and it's fucking tight as shit, and you can never find a parking spot. Solution to that. Just don't go to the mall. Never go to the mall. <laughs> I know. I That's bought my golf shoes on I've done. online. Well, dude, you brought up the backup cameras. And so when we were in Florida, Uncle Mike took us out a couple times for dinner and we got in his fucking fancy ass car. And he had something I hadn't seen before because I don't drive fancy ass cars, but he had a, it'll do a bird's eye perspective yeah. of the car and it'll give you on all four sides alerts if you're getting close to stuff. I'm like, damn, that's fancy. Have you ever Shit, been in a Tesla? Yeah, I've been in Teslas before. Yeah, not so they, like not like the brand new ones, but ones that are I don't know five years old or whatever. So I don't know how it yeah, is with the older ones. Yeah, one of those archaic pieces. But like, of shit. my uncle's Tesla when we were driving in Vegas, things are fancy as fuck. It would man. it would register every single aspect of the cars in front of you, to the side of you, and behind you. So yeah, we pulled up next to a, a truck or like a moving truck, and it registered the whole truck length. We pulled up yeah. next to a taxi, and it registered the fucking like what an advertisement thing on the top of the taxi. And That's I'm like, cool. why do we need this? And he goes, well, so it, it knows everything. And when it goes to film something, everything it films will be fully like in color, clear. And I'm like, absolutely insane, man. Those fucking, fucking cars ridiculous. are like spaceships. Yeah. Well, your own, we were riding in your the other day and he was explaining to me that he's like, if you put it on like the autopilot mode or whatever, even if you're on the highway, if you're just coasting, like there's not a lot of cars around. He's like, I have actually realized I will hug one side of the lane more when I'm in control of the car. When I put it on the autopilot, it will it will correct me into the middle of the lane. He's like, I never knew that I was doing that on the highway until I put it in autopilot. And it was like, oh, no, you're like hugging the right lane over here. We're going to bring you into the middle. It was like correcting his own mistakes. That's like, this is fucking Kayla's, crazy, man. Kayla's car, she has a Jeep, but it's like it does the same thing. It's not autopilot, but it has like lane assist or whatever oh, you yeah, call it. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I turned it off because I can't stand it. But like, yeah. you'll just be driving down the highway and then all of a sudden, because I didn't even know that that was like a thing at first. Like right. we bought the car, just started driving it around. And then I'm driving on the highway and all of a sudden the wheel would just like slightly angular. ever so slightly like yeah. pull in one direction or the other. And I would just be like, did I buy a fucking car that's like <laughs> trying to run me off the road? Like what is going on? And it's just, it's just when you drift like a little bit too far. 
over towards the lane, it'll just like be like, nope, just come back to the middle a little See, bit. And it's like crazy. I don't. I turned it off because that's I weird. Want, yeah, my dad's Yukon yeah. doesn't. I don't think it has the lane assist, but it has like. And same with my brother's truck. It has like vibration in the seats. So if you go too far to the left, the whole left seat, like left side, she's yeah. like, and it's really uncomfortable. It's not. Oh, like so it's like you really like, trying to let you know. Right. Hey. So then you, you correct back and it's like, all right, good job. And it's like, how do you know that the lane, like it's just painted lines on the road. Right. Like, how do you know I shouldn't be going over there? That was actually what um, Oppenheimer invented after the nuke was the lane assist. <laughs> it was lane assist. Yes, lane assist. He pivoted to, from nuclear to, power to lane assist correct. technology. It's, that, that's, you know, let's make everyone safe. That's going to be the sequel. They couldn't fit it into this yeah, movie. Yeah. But uh, yeah. No, I, honestly, though, on the technology and shit in new cars, like it's all great. And I like seeing fancy new stuff. But it drives me. It gives me like, I don't even know how to describe it. It. It drives me irate for no reason every day that I try to back Kayla's car out of our garage. And it just beeps all the time. And it makes me think that I'm going to like run into yeah. something or hit something. Sounds like or you're like, almost going to hit something. It's just all the yeah. time. It's like beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, I fucking know that I'm backing up. <laughs> There's a camera. I can see everything. There's mirrors. I can see that the side of my garage is like eight inches away from the car. And I'm backing straight out and I'm not going to, it's not in the way. If I yeah. just keep backing yeah. straight out, I'm not going to hit it. But it, the car is still just like, <laughs> for the 10 seconds, every time I try to back the car out of the garage. And what makes me completely irate about it is the front sensors. Cause I pull in like real close to the my yeah. little tool bench thing. The front sensors will go off when I'm in reverse. Oh, Jesus. So I'm like, you're too close. Why are you telling me there's something too close to the front of my car when like, it's in I, reverse? Like I'm getting further away I'm from it. Yeah. Quite clearly not going forward by nature of being in reverse. So <laughs> please stop beeping at me that there's a wall in front of me because I see it. So I'm going backwards. It's just there to increase your overall general level of anxiety God, while you're dude, trying it to just reverse it. drives me insane, man. You just crash it and then it's, the sensors start going off and you're like, oh. Nice of you to show up. Yeah, thanks. I got it. You show up when I don't need you, but then when I need you, you don't show up. But the same thing like happens in like parking lots, right? Like you're always like pretty much nose to nose with another car in a parking lot because I don't back in because it's not a truck. And <laughs> I put it in reverse to back out. And, you know, there's, you know, shopping, you know, there's always just people trying to get hit in parking lots. Yeah. So, you know, you're looking over your shoulder and then you're like, okay, coast is clear. You start backing up and all of a sudden it's like beep, 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 beep. And you're like. Did I miss something? But no, right. it's the car in front of you that right. you're getting yeah. farther away from that's giving you an anxiety meanwhile, attack. Like you're about to yeah. run over an old lady. In a yeah, I was going to say, it's meanwhile, like, you think you're about to trample an old lady with I'm your like, car. <laughs> I would be so much better off if that thing just wouldn't fucking make a noise. I don't know why. I wonder if there's a way to turn that off. Like there is the lane assist thing. There's, I'm sure can, there's a you way. You can to... turn it down. You can turn it down. You but can't not. turn it off. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I don't understand why it's... I don't know, but yeah, trust me. I looked into it because it's I'm sure you did. Insane. I'm sure you did. Zach just ripping apart the or Sam's ripping, ripping apart ripping the wires out, and yeah. just unplugging shit. Gosh, dude, it's like so our radio hasn't worked. It's not gonna work. Yeah, he's like, you're, by the way, you're not gonna know what speed you're going ever from now on. But the little beepers but will the not beep beepers. you. Oh, <laughs> also for the lights, you have to turn this <laughs> lamp on and that lamp on the show because everything's unplugged. But another thing though, it's like everyone's always like, oh, like why is a new car like no matter what you're gonna buy just a little toyota whatever camry corolla whatever just the run-of-the-mill honda civic car 
you buy a brand new one of those, you're looking at like 35 grand. I mean, somebody will probably correct me on the sticker price, but like you can't buy Basically, yeah. a car for less than like 30, 35 grand, no matter what kind of a car you're looking at. And if it's a truck, you're looking at like 70 grand minimum, no matter what, for some reason. And that reason is all this over-engineered bullshit that they've had to put it. Like, why can't you just give me a truck with a new engine and not a hundred thousand miles on all the moving parts in the truck, but I don't need all this extra all the bells shit. and whistles and shit. And yeah. even the models, like the base models of stuff without all the bells and whistles are still over-engineered with like yeah. more bells and whistles than you actually need. And yeah. I'm like, that's like, I just want to buy a new truck that'll last a long time, mm-hmm. but I don't want to pay a hundred grand for it because I don't care if I have a 360 bird's eye right, view of right, everything. Right. Like, My favorite over-engineered piece is the fucking runners that will automatically go up and into the car and yeah, then pop oh, back yeah, out. And yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. so unnecessary. And they're like, but that adds 10,000 to the sticker uh-huh. price. And you're like, why? Just bolt a solid piece to the fucking underneath of my car uh-huh. and I can step up and, and it's down like, well, it. can I get it without those? And they're like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. Okay. They're like, we can cool. disable them, but it, you still got to pay for them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and then you want them re-enabled? It's going to be five grand. It's the same thing for the, I see the commercials all the time for the newer trucks that have like the, uh, the tailgate that Dude, will like fold down and has like two steps for you. Just to like going to fucking like, go off on the tailgate. Tailgates were fine the way they were. <laughs> I have, I have a have step on my tailgate. <laughs> the tailgate has been fine since it was invented. Yeah. It's, we, we got it. We need. figured it out. I, I have a tailgate that has a step in it. Do you? Does it like come out electronically and stuff? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. I have to like unlatch it and pull oh, it down. Oh, okay, okay. So you're a, you're a poor in. piece of shit, basically. Then. Yeah, 2013. Yeah. You know, back then we just didn't have anything. Yeah. You, know? you got platinum. Then. You got platinum. No. Hmm. Thought that was only a platinum feature. It could be. I don't. I didn't buy it brand new. I bought it from some dude in Florida. Mm, gotcha. Maybe 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 you bought a regular truck and then got a platinum tailgate. That's possible. They just ah. switch the tail. Well, I mean, people steal tailgates now for some reason. So, what what, what can you do with a tailgate? I don't know, but is there it, a huge market for tailgates. It's been a thing that people Thunder are like Ground. legit stealing. I think it's Ford F one fifty tailgates. People have been like yoinking them. You know how annoyed I would be if somebody stole my tailgate. Just a tailgate. <laughs> I just feel like, why? Like, yeah, it's just a pain in the ass. I'd be like, all right, well, you ever seen that thing that's like, uh, if you had to like steal something with like no monetary value but would just like cause the biggest annoyance. Oh yeah. In somebody's yeah. house and somebody was talking about like the the little um glass dish that rotates in your microwave. Oh yeah. That, you know how irate I would be if I didn't have one of those. <laughs> you know what's funny though? Is you could put That's your so plate funny. you put yeah, your plate like in the middle of that shit in your house yeah. that you'd like yeah. it has no like what 5 bucks or something. Right, right. But it would just drive you insane if it wasn't there. That is funny. I wonder what we that would be a good podcast See, discussion of like think, the most annoying thing to steal from someone's yeah, house. Yeah. I think a monitor and it would cost a lot more than the the plastic plate but imagine taking someone's thermostat you just pop that sucker off the wall oh yeah or just like all their silverware yeah but that's yeah but that has like monetary value true true. i'm talking about like literally it has to be like less than five dollars what about the little uh the little plastic things that actually hold the toilet paper in the holder. Just take all of That's the plastic things one. away. That's they can't hang their toilet paper ever again. That is a great one. <laughs> Just steal all of them from every bathroom. So annoying. <laughs> God, that would be the worst. 
Because those things can't be more than like two two dollars. It's like a little. Piece I don't of even know if you have to pay for those. Yeah, I think you just buy the. Yeah. Actual, Where would you like, even get more? Do they sell more of those? I'm sure <laughs> I, they. do. I think you just have to buy like the actual toilet paper holder because I think it comes as a set. Oh, okay, okay. So maybe this is a loophole where that would increase the. You know, that would actually be a monetary yeah. loss. There, well, that so. they would also increase the annoyance. Then you got to replace the actual holder set it's in true. every bathroom in your house. It's very true. Or just re- take someone's garage door opener. Not the garage door, but the opener oh, of their yeah. car. So that every time oh. they get home, they have to get out and type in a code. That's what I do. I have one, but I don't like leaving it because I park my truck in the driveway. And I don't like leaving the garage door opener in my truck in the driveway because you just break the window. That's and probably pretty smart. In house, so yeah. yeah, It just annoys me every day that I back my truck in <laughs> when I get home. And then go over to my little keypad and type in the code. But See, that would be a, you know... Annoyance. I guess I could just bring in my garage. I was gonna say you could just me, like. But I'm a Jones, and we do things. I was gonna say Sam likes to do things the hard way, though. So Dude, there's been so many times where like Kayla, we doing something. She'll be like, "Why don't you do it this way?" It's like, "Cause I'm a Jones." It, just, it has to be this because way. Because I in do my genetics, the hard way. It's been passed down from generation to generation. <laughs> See, my dad's that way, and I'm the opposite. I'm like, Dad, why don't we solve this issue with the it? least yeah. amount of moving parts? I try, and but my dad's like, I just carry this cloud no. of bad it's, luck around with me just everywhere I go. In, yeah. It's in us. Yeah, exactly. you can't escape it. See, I look don't at, run from who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you got to you got to look at everything logically and just go. Uh, I do, I do. Oh, you know, I could I could skip, you know, every single step and just go to the end with this one little tweak. But I'm gonna go through all these fucking steps just to be a fucking dickhead. I well, try to, but like I said, it it doesn't. I would say it doesn't work out it, in theory. It, it builds character. Yeah, it builds character. You know, yeah. it's just, it, it builds character. <laughs> and that's why kids these days, they don't have it like they used to. Because everything's automated and easy to do and I don't know streamlined. My, it's like, no, you need to go just toil away at something for no reason for yeah, a long My time. favorite yeah. thing is to like watch someone go through something and then I just go at the very end and I'm just like, you know, you could have done this. And they're like, thanks, asshole. And I'm like, would have saved you a lot of time, but... I figured I'd let you struggle through what yeah. you did. You helped him out. You helped him build some character. Yeah, and it the was task got accomplished, and they built character. Um, to kind of bring this back to our original topic, because I don't know how much longer we're going to go, but I did want to ask. We you are guys on this one battery, so that's okay. why I keep looking down. I'm waiting for it to start All flashing. Right. I did want to ask you guys this because this was another thing that I wanted to talk to you about after the movie. Where does Oppenheimer stand in your like Christopher Nolan rankings? If you had, to, if you had to do it off the top well, of the dome. I don't think you can – I think I talked – I don't know if I talked with Caleb about this, but I go, you can't compare this to any of his other stuff. It's very different from because any other movie he's done. if you look at Interstellar or, like, The Dark Knight, you go, that was pure entertainment. Like, one, Interstellar is, like, a mind-bending – kind of like Inception. It's mind-bending but very yeah. entertaining. The Dark Knight, you're just, like, greatest superhero movie ever. Yeah. But then you go, well, now I'm going to a biopic of – one of the, if not the most important inventions in humankind, you got to kind of go, I can't compare this in terms, I can't compare it to Interstellar. I can't compare it to Dunkirk. I can't compare it to the dark, any of the Batmans. You can't compare it to Inception. You kind of got to like, it's its own category. It's its best when it comes to terms of that category because it's the only one, but like you can't compare it to Dark Knight. There's no comparison. It's, It's the most different of all of his movies that I've seen. Um, and one of the things I was going to point out too, 
You know, um, the actress Florence Pugh, who plays the girl, like that communist girl that he ends up hooking up with. And just had her tits out the whole time. <laughs> who just, yeah, Chris's she was in all of the, the all of the sex scene. Yeah, Chris Rodol's favorite part. <laughs> that was one thing that I was like, it was really jarring to me that that was in a Christopher Nolan movie. Because if you think about every other movie he's ever put out, there's like never been any sex, hardly at all, but whatsoever. And all I, of a sudden... In Oppenheimer, you just have her with like no top on, just like riding him while she's having him read fucking "I Am Death, Become Destroyer of Worlds." But I, I was think, just like, this is really weird for a Nolan movie. But you got to think too; it was more the story of of everything going on. So yeah, well, it's a story about think, him. It's think about, about but think about the temptations of what that does, right? Obviously, both of you have wives, and one has a little child. <laughs> He's trying but, to figure out what the hell's going on right now. He's like, what are all these? Like, I think he has some thoughts on Oppenheimer he, as well, he's probably. Like, Get these people out of my house. Well, his first words are going to be, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> well, I said, if he ends up being as mischievous as me and as smart as Kayla, we might have, you might have a real problem like on, that on our hands. <laughs> but, but think about like the way Oppenheimer is. It's his story. So the temptations of the female figure is like she's tempting him to become a communist she's tempting yeah. like well and apparently he was like a pretty famed womanizer too right because it's, it's, so it's a movie about him it's right. not about the atomic bomb it's about Oppenheimer right. the person but so, so as, as a man when you see that if you didn't have wives or girlfriends and you see that scene you go I'd be tempted as fuck too let's be well real. I mean he was too and he was married at the time right right but I'm just saying, you know, Sam can't say anything and you can't say anything, but I can. <laughs> the temptation would be there to fall into that whole, like, yeah, why not? Like, You know, I was actually just thinking about this. This might be me just being naive, but aren't scientists, like, typically, like, not getting a lot of play <laughs> if, that, if that's, that's right always been the stereotype like, yeah like, aren't they always kind of like typically like a little bit awkward like kind of nerdy so like, bookish do you think yeah. that like oppenheimer's like everyone's like damn he really had it all like he was he was getting laid and he was doing i think cool that kind of is like, what it was cause but he, his his personality and the way he's depicted is like this cigarette smoking martini drinking womanizer who's also like a genius in like quantum but, physics but, but think of the times too so in, he's kind of an enigma intelligence and, back then was valued as like he could take care of a family compared to this dude has a six pack of abs and goes to the gym every day that is like, true that, I, if, I think there is a lot to be said of like you know there's a lot of scenes in the movie of them going to like which is something that I don't know if you, you guys would agree with this, but I certainly don't see this a lot nowadays and I haven't been a part of a lot of this of just like dinner party gatherings where we all just like talk about like philosophical and political ideals and like have spirited talk debates and arguments about it. Politics, But a lot of the scenes in that movie are him like going to these like communist sympathizer like dinner parties and like having discussions about like how the world should be run, right? And he's like this really smart guy who's expressing interest in a lot of these various areas and the women who are at these parties are probably very intrigued by a guy right. with a fucking brain that big who's interested in the same sort of things they're interested in. Right. Um, and it's not that he has a six pack and goes to the gym every day and is a private in the army. It's yeah. They were attracted to intelligence. Yeah. Whereas most women these days are not attracted to intelligence. 
yeah, Oppenheimer was not like the Captain America. He's not like the Chris Evans right. Captain America. Like or no one was attracted type. to him until he was injected full of fucking steroids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was just so, a little thing that I hadn't really thought of until now. It's like, damn, he was really like that smart and getting laid. Yeah. Like, most of the time, those are pretty much mutually exclusive. Right. Yeah. For, exactly. For like you don't really. No one really thinks of like Albert Einstein like smashing a lot of. <laughs> You know, a lot of women. Like, I don't think that's synonymous with his image. You know, well, let's be honest. If you really want to accomplish something, you probably can't spend a lot of time. Right. Around. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, think of Albert Einstein, though. Like, we don't know much. Well, at least I don't know much about his life. But all the women that were like attracted to that a one night stand with Albert Einstein. I mean, yeah, it's like sleeping that with on your resume, like LeBron or something. If you're into sports, you know. Don't say anything, Matt. Don't. We're not getting into a LeBron conversation. Yeah, I will, Michael uh, Jordan would have probably been back, a choice. Take off but my headphones right now. Back, back to my question. To where does where does Oppenheimer fit in your Nolan? Give me like your top four or five, or, or what, whatever you want to say. Like, I mean, I'd say it, where top does it five. fit in there? I would say it's in my top five. Okay, but like I said, it's too hard to compare to any of his other things. Like, well, you I said also it's not in your top five. No, it is in my oh, top okay. five. Yeah, that's okay. But like I said, it's just it's too hard to put in against any of his other movies like there's no not a single one of his other movies that i would sit there and go it's a fair argument to try and argue between the two i've also only ever seen it once i want to see it again and kind of get another but like the dark knight or get, the, get the whole batman trilogy right besides the first one the dark knight and the dark knight rises are really rewatchable entertaining yeah, movies for sure interstellar really rewatchable entertaining movie dunkirk i wouldn't say it's super entertaining but it's a very rewatchable movie if you're into history Oppenheimer, I would say, is going to be a very rewatchable movie, being into history. But if you're not into history, you're going to look at it and be like, I don't care. There's no action. Yeah, there's no. I don't, like, I don't picture Oppenheimer being super rewatchable. It's just a completely different story. Like, you don't watch. Uh, how do I put this? Because I rewatch a lot of shit over and over <laughs> again. But that's because it's entertaining to me. Oppenheimer, yeah, it might not be entertaining, but you can kind of, if you watch it two or three times, you're going to dissect different pieces of the story. Yeah, there's you a lot to, to time before. Yeah. So what do, you, what do you think? What are your thoughts? I have a hot take. Okay. I completely, oh, look, the battery died. Crazy. I completely spaced that this movie was a Nolan movie. The Prestige. Fantastic movie. <laughs> that is one of the better movies that's ever been yeah. made. And I, just, I think so it's I, one of his more underrated movies. I just pulled sure. up the... You know, his whatever filmography, Yeah, I guess that's the yeah. word. And I completely forgot about that one. Because I was going to say, I was going to say it's like a two-way tie for first between Inception and Interstellar and then Oppenheimer's next. Mm. But I think for me, Nolan movies, it goes Interstellar. Uh, I'm going to give Interstellar first place you can't really go wrong with a lot of that's this list inception second prestige third and then i'm gonna go dark knight fourth oppenheimer fifth that's a good top five i, I think like that's that. i think that's how, the prestige dude, i i totally would not have included it because i didn't even think that it was an a Nolan, but that movie is excellent. I haven't seen it in a long time, and I've only ever watched it once. I want to rewatch The Prestige There's just, again because like every, everyone brings that up as like that's an underrated Nolan. Any, movie. any Christopher Nolan movie, though, you're just like it's good. Like, what, what's your? I don't have complaints. What's your top five? I thought we were going to save this for another podcast. Well, we can, but just off the top of the dome, uh, where would you, what's your top five? And is Oppenheimer in it? I would have The Dark Knight probably first. Okay. Um, 
it was it was between that and Interstellar. I'd probably have Interstellar second. Can't go wrong. I'd probably throw Oppenheimer up at third. Okay. Because I'm just, I mean, you guys know me. I've probably seen Band of Brothers f- close to 100 times now <laughs> and the Pacific close to 60-ish times. Um, so I'm just really like a huge nerd into that. Probably Dunkirk after Oppenheimer at four. Um, and then I was just a really big fan of The Dark Knight Rises. Okay. But The Dark Knight Rises kind of like sits different too with everything that happened that night in like the real world. See, I, I think I go, I have an unequivocal top four. My favorite Nolan has always been Inception. I've always been obsessed yeah. with it. Ever since I saw it in theaters, I was like, this is fucking amazing. I think it's Inception, Interstellar, and in, like this is like in no particular order. Inception's probably my favorite. No, you no, no, you have them. to give a okay. fucking you order. You can't do this Switzerland okay. bullshit. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> you have all right. to sign your name somewhere. Okay, Inception, number one. Interstellar number two, Dark Knight number three, Dunkirk four. Interesting. And then I don't know where to place Oppenheimer. I was going to say Oppenheimer five, but I need. To, I think I need to watch it more. See, I think the best. That's way- that's my top four right there. I think those two unequivocal or those four unequivocally. because I, I think we saw Dunkirk together in IMAX, mm-hmm. and I was like, I think if you really wanted to like litigate Christopher Nolan's filmography. You got to watch everything that in IMAX. That honestly might be his best movie, Dunkirk. Like in terms of just tightness, how tight it is and the story and the the, direct, the direction of it and the cinematography and all that shit. Honestly, you might be able to argue that's his best. Now, it's not my absolute favorite, but it's like top four. I think I, w- I would rather rewatch like Inception, Interstellar, and Dark Knight. But I think Dunkirk is a legitimate like masterpiece of a movie. It's a I think, fucking amazing. I feel I like the I best way to go about this though would go you would be able to like buy out an IMAX theater and then you just replay all of his movies in IMAX so yeah. you get the experience of every one of them because watching Dunkirk in IMAX like me and you left and we were just like what the fuck it was like, f- like just insane. what the fuck and then I've watched it at home and I'm like it's like nothing changed it's still really good but there's a difference between having that feeling of like you can hear the plane and it truly feels like yeah. it's coming it behind feels like you it's coming from, from a like, distance yeah you can tell it's bouncing off the wall and you're just yeah. like it's not the same so like i feel like that's where like the dark knight and the dark knight rises stuff like that because it has more of the entertaining part of it you can kind of like yeah. get into the rewatching of it easier but if you were to go back and rewatch like dunkirk oppenheimer Inception all in IMAX, I think things like would change with how tell you everything what, goes. Interstellar in IMAX was an experience, man. That was one of my favorite See, IMAX experiences ever. For I sure. made the mistake and I watched that at home at like probably tw- I started at like 1230 at night or I guess in the morning. And it's like fucking it was, three hours long. It was three hours long and then I'm so fascinated. I'm like, I'm Googling black holes. I'm Googling yeah. like all sorts of other shit to try and like get into it because it's such like a mind thing. Oh, yeah. Like the Dark Knight ends and you're like, all right, well, I watched Batman kick yeah. fucking ass for two right. and a half hours and then you're like, where is he? <laughs> Rachel. <laughs> do I do that because my sister-in-law's name is Rachel. So Rachel. I say all the time. But I'm, but like, I don't know. In Interstellar definitely gets your brain going. Same with Inception. If you Inception, if you if you miss yeah. five minutes of Inception and you go back and sit down, you're like, what did I miss? It's like, well, Inception has such like an you're, indelible. You're, 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 can't, can't fucking help you. I yeah. can't fucking yeah. help you. Inception, Inception has such an indelible mark on society now too, because it's now become like 
it's like a what is that would it be a verb or like a I was like, just gonna you, make you can this you point. can incept someone or like you incepted it or whatever right. like yeah I was caught I was caught the other day and I like literally had this thought in my head I was like on my laptop RDP'd into a, a different computer and then I had a VM open in that computer and then like I was like oh shit I'm in like VM inception here and then I was like. Oh, I'm starting to use it as like a verb. Yeah, like, like an actual word. Yeah, adjective. I don't know what the hell right. it is, but yeah, it was. It, it's like become a thing. Yeah, basically. Whereas previous to that, like no one used the word inception. Yeah. I mean, it was a word. Wasn't isn't it used? But it just like, means the beginning of something. Just people just, like us didn't use the right. right. Yeah. Say, isn't it called inception when you have a child? Yeah, like, well, because it's it's the birth or the creation close. of something is uh, what guess, it means. Basically. I guess that's true. Yeah, right. So like that's is, how people I think used it before. Yeah. Well, it's like the inception of this idea or the inception, of, which is the idea of the movie. They're planting the beginning of an idea in this guy's head. Right. It's the inception of that idea. He it's didn't the inception actually of have inception. it. They placed it there. Which is the inception in your inception. But I think the two most mind blowing Nolan movies to see for the first time: Inception, Interstellar. Yeah, I think so. I'd agree. But going back to The Prestige. (laughs) Fucking great movie. Dude, all the stuff with... I need to rewatch that. Nikola Tesla. I might rewatch that like tomorrow. Like up in fucking wherever they were in Colorado Springs. And he was just like this crazy guy up there doing crazy shit. And then like who even knows what he was actually like inventing. What kind of experiments and shit. People that claim that he's invented stuff. And who knows? That's a whole nother hole to go to. They need to make that movie because... There's so much shit that people dispute that Tesla actually did. Yeah. That on his own instead of just stealing shit. Yeah. I don't know. People also just like are haters. So yeah. <laughs> there's that that you have yeah. to but then again, you never know what's you know, there's a lot of bullshit <laughs> going around. All right. Sorry. Well, any other thoughts? Or are we running low on battery over here? Yeah, I'm just waiting for it to start flashing. Okay. Waylon's just doing his best to unplug everything. I was going to say, Waylon's, yeah. Waylon's calling it quits. Any final thoughts on the movie? I do need to piss, so if we're going to wrap up, we can do that. If not, we can just pause and I'll run and pee real quick. I think if we pause, we're better off just stopping yeah. because yeah. the battery's going to... I think we covered it. Course. Did we cover it? Well, we spent a lot of time on backup cameras and over-engineered trucks. On our Oppenheimer podcast. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to title this because it's, I mean, it started out, it was like 30 minutes of Oppenheimer and the last 45 of not Oppenheimer. So, well, what are you trying to do here? <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's safe to wrap up. Well, well, well thanks for, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast for the first time, man. It's, we're like, what, three years into this and this is your first episode. We'll, we'll so. have to uh, get you on one where we can just sit here and not have a time limit though and just yeah. talk. Yeah, I'd like those to, those uh, are my favorite episodes. We can just yeah. talk about random shit. I'd like to uh, consume some alcohol or yeah, whatever. Sure. The next time, well, I don't know. I mean, in like eighteen, twenty years, something <laughs> when I get a full free obligation. When your kids graduated weekend, from high yeah. school and off to college, the, will the come best over. Yeah. the best time to do it. I would think. I think one of our my favorite episodes is when we did the Bronco watch through against the Cardinals because it that wasn't was like we were narrating the Bronco game. We were kind of giving like random updates. We're like, hey, the Broncos suck yeah. again. And then we just keep talking. So it's like you have something going uh, on. I don't know if you listened at all to our 100th episode one, but we went for like four and a half hours with Caleb. And we watched watched the Nuggets. The final game Game of the Nuggets. It was game five of the finals. And we just drank and fucking watched the Nuggets game, gave updates, talked about random shit. It was a blast. That was a lot of fun. 
So we'll have to do that for like a, a Bronco. If you're available yeah. on a Sunday afternoon at two or something, we can just watch like a Bronco game. Yeah, for sure. Bronco game 2026. We'll, we'll get on his. <laughs> Let's schedule. get on your schedule now. I know the Kayla's going to get the planner out. out. We'll get on the. We'll get uh, on the calendar yeah. somewhere. Yeah, 2026 looks a little. Busy. <laughs> uh, we'll look 2030. Yeah. Everyone on board for 2030. But then we'll we'll have a studio you can come to and we'll have producers and shit. 42 <laughs> spring looks pretty good. Right. Right He's now. like, yeah, Blade Runner. You know, Pencilous, <laughs> Yeah, Blade Runner 2049. Blade Runner 2049. We'll be able to do this. Yeah. yeah. So. But no, thanks for jumping on and. Yeah, this was fun. Well, yeah. like I said, we'll have to get you on another episode. So. Appreciate you having me. I had a good time. Yeah. Please, please don't air this because I made some comments. That <laughs> oh, I don't it's have, it's going. It's it's being aired. And as I told your brother, we are almost in every country out there right now. Iran has downloaded episodes. The Philippines, India. I think there was one in Bangladesh. So, almost all of Europe. So Africa is starting to come everywhere. That you, so you're um, you have Japanese listeners. Yeah. Okay. It seems like I feel great. I feel better, much better now about this. Uh, we'll for, we'll for leave the, your address in the comment section <laughs> so they can send you well, fan mail. Listen, for the record, awesome, awesome country. It's on my bucket list. I want to go there. The history and everything is, but that's the point I was trying to make. Is like what a stark difference. Oh like, yeah, nowadays compared yeah. to you know what it used to be. Well, but, the fact that I'll just yeah, you guys one, went from a bunch of warriors. One final to a bunch of hentai. one final thing that I wanted to bring up about Oppenheimer. Do you guys remember the scene where okay, so it's post Trinity test. They have Fat Man and Little Boy. They're deciding which targets to drop them on in Japan. And that general guy is oh, my wife and like I went the, there on our honeymoon. It's the most dark comedy moment you've ever seen. Where he's like, oh yeah, not this country. We're taking it or this city. We're taking it off the list because me and my wife honeymooned there or whatever. And you're just like Jesus. He's like beautiful city, great culture. And you're just like, but oh my god! Like, but because what they did, can you, you know, imagine I mean, being in that room, just being like, "This is how the decisions is going to be made." Like, Jesus! I think you'd be Christ. surprised with that's how a lot of things work. Because, like, at the end of the day, like you see a lot of these big things happening, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's the government, that's the U.S., that's this yeah. making this decision." But at the end of the day, it's human beings in rooms, yeah, like you and me, yeah. that just have work their way into a position where they get to make these kind of decisions that are making those decisions. And at the end of the day, everybody's a human being. So like if you had to decide what city to nuke, you'd be like, I don't know, man, I spent a bunch of time there on my honeymoon. Right, like that's right. a, that's something that would legitimately factor in. If you so, didn't have anybody telling you, you can't right. You know, make this decision like that. Right. So, so question with that though, would you, Rather make the decision on the city that you're going to drop a bomb, one of which you don't know if it's going to go off or not, two, you don't know the complete total destruction that you could cause, or would you rather make the decision, hey, round up all of these people and put them in a camp? I mean, I wouldn't want to make that them. decision. But you, but I'm saying you have to make one or the other. Like, what would you rather do? Would you rather be the one that's like not – not a genocidal camp, like we're not going to be like Russia or the Nazis, but you know the internment Pretty camps. Sure that's we created what everyone here. says when they say yeah. this isn't like those other camps. This yeah. is a completely different well, internment. But camp. the internment yeah, camp here didn't. We it's didn't be kill great. people. It's the fucking Four Seasons guys. Don't worry. Come on. <laughs> in. Yeah. No. But that's we didn't. Not we how didn't, that shit works. We didn't kill people in our internment camps. But people forget that we did create internment camps and put. We rounded up all the Japanese and we're like, you're going to live here no matter what. Mm -hmm. So would you rather make that decision to be like, we're rounding up an entire, um, uh, what would you call it? A race of pure an ethnicity of people. And we're putting them in fucking camps. Or would you be like, yeah, let's just, that's the city we're going after. Well, we did both. So right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the same person, I highly doubt made the decision on both. 
Unless you're like, well, it was the president. He said, hey, we're going to drop a bomb. But I think the internment camps were way before the bomb. Okay. I would rather decide where to drop the bomb. But the best part of that movie to me, well, the most like dark, funny part of that movie to me was that part where the guy was like, no, nah, I don't want to bomb the city because I did my honeymoon there. And also when Oppenheimer goes to visit Truman. I'm glad like, you're bringing this up. Yeah. And he's like, you know, expressing his concerns. Like he's basically and, yeah. pleading like, don't, don't like, drop, don't it. make this the status quo. Yeah. Like, yeah, please don't. And he's like, I feel like I have blood on my hands and all this shit. <laughs> and Truman he takes the handkerchief takes his out. pocket square out and hands it to him. And he's like, basically like, you didn't drop the fucking bomb. I did. Like, yeah. get out of my office, you crybaby. Yeah. And, and I'm then, like, then he's like, never invite that guy back to my office. Yeah. Never again. invite that crybaby back to my... And it's like, I totally understand where Truman is coming from because he's like, I actually made that decision. And that's a whole, you know, another morality discussion. It's like... Right. Like, who, you just created it. Who actually killed those people? Yeah. Was it Oppenheimer? Was it Truman? Was, was it the, the people who dropped that, the bombs? That hit yeah. the button? You yeah. know... What was the people that assembled it? You know, what's what's the deal? There was the people that loaded it on there. Like, by the way, did, speaking of that interaction with Truman, did you guys notice who that actor is playing Truman? No, you didn't. Well, now I'm trying to think. By the way, we said our goodbyes six minutes ago. We did. We did. <laughs> well, I wanted to bring this that Truman conversation, up. dude. That it's was fucking one of my Gary Oldman. Parts. It was. It's it Gary was. Oldman as Truman. That's the thing that was crazy about watching it. I'm like, there are two. Rami Malek and Gary Oldman have won Best Acting Oscars within the last like five years, and no one just throws them in there for like four minutes. It's fucking yeah. wild. And as soon as he goes into the, into the Oval Office, I'm like, that's fucking Gary Oldman. Jesus. It's super important, but not very powerful uh, role. And you're like, like yeah. what? And they're like, yeah, your four minutes of screen time are going to blow people away. Gary Oldman loves just getting into a bunch of makeup and like a fat suit and just yeah, disappearing yeah. behind some yeah. fucking facade. <laughs> he loves that shit. Dude, so bef- before we end this, I got to... Speaking of memes and Oppenheimer and all this stuff, the meme that's like when Oppenheimer's like all surprised and it's like Oppenheimer when Operation Megabomb turns into operate to, turns into using Megabomb. And yeah. So like he's yeah. like all surprised. And it's yeah. like, I get it because I know that it was all like theoretical and they didn't really understand, you know, what they were doing. And like they knew they were going to make a big ass bomb, but like they didn't right. really get it. And, you know, it's kind of the prisoner's dilemma. You had to do it because the Nazis were going to get it done, and we didn't want that. Blah, blah, blah. But on the same hand, you built the fucking bomb for the United States military. What did you think they were going to do with it? What does the military do with weapons you give them during wartime? They fucking use them. Well, but like he said, though, he goes, I hope the tests that we said we ran were going to scare enough people away from, like... Okay, let's yeah. not let's not find out. Like, let's just trust what they did. I mean, that's the most wishful thinking bullshit I've ever heard in my life. I but can, that's wishfully thinking that you don't you're not like, responsible for a million people dying or however many people died. I don't know if it was actually a million. You know what? You know what else I thought was tremendous is how you know Matt Damon's character. We haven't really talked about Matt Damon much. He but killed it too. That was was excellent. great in that movie. His he's because he's like the military like liaison for Oppenheimer and all the scientists and everything and. Basically, once they do the Trinity test, they pack up the two bombs. He's like basically handing it off to the military or whatever. He's like, so should I come to Washington with you or whatever? And Damon's character's like, why? And there's not, you're, they you're just done. immediately, he's like, your job's done. Like, I don't know what you thought was going to happen out of this, but like, we got it from here. And he was like, okay, well, at least I'll get a call like before you're making the decision or whatever. And 
he basically has to find out about it when everyone else finds out about it. And like for Oppenheimer, he was just kind of like, didn't you know he thought he was going to be involved with like the decision making and the military was just like no you did your job you gave us what we want. we'll take it from here yeah thanks thanks for your service kind of thing and he was just kind of like not you could tell he was just not expecting things to go like that and how like uh like i guess usable i'm i'm struggling for the right word of disposable how disposable he was going to be after all of that because he kind of thought he was more important to the military than they thought, you know? Well, he really was until he did his job. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was like, okay, thanks. Yeah. One, <laughs> one, one, one of the scientists it, earlier in the movie, they go and try and recruit all these scientists. And one of them has that conversation with him. And he's like, cause Oppenheimer's whole pitch is like, look, we need you. We're in this race against the Nazis, yada, yada, yada. And the whole guy's like, you know, cause there's all these stipulations about they have to uproot their family and go live in Los Alamos and all this kind of stuff. And the guy's kind of being like, you know, Oppenheimer's going, well, the military needs you. And the guy's kind of like, yeah, well, until they don't, what happens then? Right. I mean, and you, you can, just go you, back to living. Yeah, and you can kind of see Oppenheimer, like, trying to grapple with that a little bit. And then that actually happens to him later after the bombs are created. And he's like, so am I coming to Washington with you? And Damon's character's like, for what? Right. I don't need you. <laughs> you're not yeah. You're not in the military anymore. Yeah, like, no, we got it from Here's here. Here's your yeah. discharge papers. Yeah. <laughs> My, I thought it was funny that he got in his military uniform and was like ready when everyone yeah. showed up. And that one guy's like, I'm not going to stay here. If you're yeah, he's like, take the fucking like, uniform, take the off, uniform yeah. off and be who you are. Yeah. And then he shows yeah. up again. I'm like, man, that would have been funny. But do we get all of our last minute? Anyway, thoughts if on anybody it? ever asked you to invent a new bomb, they're probably going to want to use it. If you, <laughs> if you yeah. do make more of the story, if you make a bomb, someone's yeah. going to use if it. Yeah. If someone comes to you and says, we're going to devote endless resources <laughs> for you making this new weapon and you end up being successful. Do not be surprised when said <laughs> weapon gets used and kills a lot of people for the reason that they said they wanted you to build it in the first place. Yeah. Right. Anyway, their hammers. That's, and, that's the moral. To, that was the hammers, moral of everything looks like a nail. Correct. He had no clue. They were going to use the bomb that they yeah. asked him to make. That but. is funny, that meme of Cillian Murphy just doing this thing where he's like, <laughs> yeah, stressed eyes, just like, oh my God. Um, damn it, I just lost my train of thought. That makes me mad. That's something good to say. Well, anyway, moving you can, on. You can bring it up on the next time we have yeah. you on in 2043. Maybe it'll, it'll, maybe it'll register. <laughs> maybe he'll yeah, over he'll time. remember it. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. All right, should we wrap uh, this up? Yeah, thanks everyone for tuning in. Sam, thanks for being on here. Yeah, man. Um, this yeah, is fun. Appreciate well, you guys. we'll do it again, and we'll do it without time constraint or any uh, any battery constraint either. So. <laughs> yeah, electricity <laughs> constraint. Yeah. For the record, well, I do have two AA batteries. It takes four, but you decided. we'll be good. Well, I had more. You asked me for two. Well, it worked. <laughs> you asked me for two. I had a whole pack. I said you some. saw me opening. I just said, do you have? But anyways, we finished the episode. Yeah. No hiccups. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody. We'll be back we'll next be back week next or two, yeah. and probably some college football shit or some NFL. Oh, we got to do we got to do a something. college football realignment one because yeah. holy shit! Oh yeah, shit. lots to talk about with that. Jeez. Yeah, for Pack twelve did completely dissolve. The pack what? Good. Yeah. Pack four. The pack four. You mean? Fuck the pack twelve. <laughs> I can't stand it. I played the pack twelve. It was great to me, but it was poorly run, and they missed out on millions of dollars in revenue for not putting the games on until everybody was asleep. And now they yep. don't exist anymore. Now they have four teams. And that's your so. own fault. And you made your bed. Now you have to lay in it. 
Yep. So, but yeah. <laughs> and with that, with that <laughs> thanks for tuning in, everyone. And we'll be back uh, in the coming weeks on another episode. So, thanks, everybody. And uh, we'll see you later. Yep. Bye, everybody. <laughs>